Welcome back to Clinician's Brief Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Beth Mollison, veterinary officer here with Clinician's Brief. And joining us today is Dr. Matt Brumke, here to talk about point-of-care ultrasounds. And making today's conversation possible is our partner, Butterfly. So welcome, Dr. Brumke. Do you mind to share a little bit kind of about your background and about yourself uh, for our audience here today? Sure, Dr. Mollison. It's a pleasure to be with everybody and, and to be on. I am a sports medicine and rehab specialist for small animals in the Washington, D.C. area. But I actually kind of grew up being exclusively like a GP um, in small animal. Um, I grew up in Queens, New York, and actually worked in high school in a small animal practice, went and did my undergrad work, and then went to Ross for vet school, so lived in the Caribbean for a couple of years, and actually did mixed animal uh, after I graduated vet school in 04, did mixed animal for four years, so learned a lot about ultrasound from both small animal and the equine side of things for both MSK and repro work. And then spent over a decade in GP and ER before going back and doing my residency um, and becoming a rehab specialist about five years ago now. Wonderful. I feel like there's nothing you can't do, Dr. Brunke. Right? Oh, <laughs> per- yeah. Perfect. There's a lot of things I pass off to better better teammates. How about that? <laughs> well, that's allowed too, but plenty of experience. Um, you're the perfect person to have here today because kind of one of the things we wanted to talk about is, you know, how do we utilize ultrasounds? And you've been in plenty of different settings. So l- let's get into talking about these ultrasounds. And I know as a general practitioner, I graduated about 12 years ago. And, you know, of course, I watched our lovely radiology technicians do ultrasounds, but I myself did not get any ultrasound training in school. And so when we talk about utilizing ultrasounds in general practice, like it always feels a little bit daunting to me. But of course, as this technology advances, I think it only makes sense that we're starting to talk more and more about how to make it more accessible for the average pet. And so I want to talk today to you about how the general practitioner can utilize ultrasound in practice, because I know if I am, you know, purchasing an ultrasound for my clinic, I certainly don't want it sitting in a corner. I want to have a good grasp of what it can do and make sure it's, you know, helping as many cases as possible. So what is your kind of, what was your initial experience with ultrasound? Did you, were you trained at Ross or how did you get started with it? You know, I think a little bit of a mixed bag. Sometimes we get thrown into it a bit and you, you know, where's everybody use it? It's like, oh, hey, you're a fourth year student here, go use this ultrasound that sits in the corner and go get a cysto. <laughs> sure. Right? Like that's where everybody starts like, ooh, I can find a bladder. <laughs> okay, great. And and that's a key because we need urine samples. We need to make sure we're getting sterile samples, all those good things that we do. And and that's a good home base to start. Um, I got some training at Ross and then my clinical year at Purdue, um, the radiology service let us work with that as well. But there's so much of a focus, I think, there's so much to take in as vet, veterinary students and even the first couple of years out where you're, you know, like, I have to learn how to do chest rads and abdominal rads and and this thing over ultrasound in the corner. Well, that takes a longer curve, so let's not focus on that. Um, so I actually, after I graduated, went and took a, like, a weekend warrior course and learned how to do abdominal ultrasounds just to get a better comfort level because we didn't have a radiologist or an internist within an hour's drive of our practice. Wow. So, you know... Is it a bladder tumor? Is it a splenic mass? Like I started with with what I consider the fundamentals. I was like, look, can I find the spleen? And is there a giant, you know, pocket of fluid somewhere? Is there a giant cavitated lesion? Um, so that's where my background started with it on the small animal side. Um, and then the vets I was working with taught me, you know, equine MSK and and repro ultrasounds, which we don't use much 
in at least the repro side, I don't use much in small animal, but I, I'm really thankful I have that equine experience now because it helps me so much in what I do as a specialist. Sure. That's, that's wonderful. Like you said, sometimes you're just kind of thrown in with that ultrasound machine in the corner and you get started where you can. Um, but do you think our colleagues are starting to think it is standard of care to have ultrasound capabilities in every clinic, or I guess, you know, has it been kind of standard from what you've seen for a while? And what about our clients? Like, is that something that you think is still thought of as a specialty service? Or do you think that our clients have thought have kind of caught on that this is a technology that is being used more and more in general practice? Well, I think we're getting there. I don't know if it's a standard yet, but I hope that it does become one because once you get the training wheels on and, and you figure out what you're doing, you know, you can be a big help. You don't have to necessarily measure like adrenal glands down to the millimeter, right? <laughs> but But how much has our our colleagues over at the ECC college has done to help us understand AFAST and TFAST and, and the ability that anybody can go and take those courses and you have a patient that comes in and you can do a four quadrant quick check and you have a better understanding sometimes than what the films are going to tell you. So that ability to figure out, is there an abdominal effusion? Is there a pleural effusion? You know, those are things that with relative, you know, it's not a steep learning curve. There's, there's a time commitment to getting good at it, just like anything else we do in vet med, but that ability to start adding that in and building your comfort with it, now, whether you're, you know, you have an ER on the same block as you, right, or you're in a mixed practice where you have GP and ER in the same building, maybe you just walk it over across the hall, or if you have three hours to the nearest referral center, you can now be um, that ability to, to have that, that vision that you need, right? Yeah. And, and see where it goes. And I think you make a good point. You know, I think you kind of the daunting part to me is sometimes it feels like all or nothing. You know, when you send a pet for full abdominal ultrasound, I think that that the idea of being able to do that is daunting. And I think, like you're saying, it's not an all or nothing thing. Any information you can garner from the ultrasound can be helpful to your patients as long as you're kind of communicating those limitations and the differences maybe between your ultrasound capabilities and and the difference between a full scan by a radiologist. But I do want to talk a little bit more about some of the indications in general practice and not just for sick pets, but you know, some that we can use every day for healthy pets. And I know an interesting thing was noticed in the 2023 AHA Senior Care Guidelines in that they included that breed-specific imaging screening is something that can be um, or should be considered for breeds. So, you know, breeds that are prone to different um, maybe cystic calculi that they should be screened maybe on an annual basis. So, you know, that's a new recommendation. But when we think about clinicians reaching for ultrasounds, like you said, it's not that we need to measure the adrenals down to the millimeter, but in your experience, what cases come to mind for the general practitioner? Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the big ones are probably bladders, right? Could we catch something that maybe the owners aren't aware of? And then for me, because a lot of what I deal with in mobility is geriatric medicine is, hey, you know what? Is that spleen feel big to you on palpation? Hmm, let's throw a probe on it and see inside. Does it have a big cavitated mass? Is there free fluid in the abdomen you could have caught? You know, you're catching before that poor animal is in a true crisis moment. Um, and it, as clinicians, it doesn't have to be us as veterinarians too. You know, it can be our fantastic techs. You know, can they go in and just get a quick four quadrant? Hey, I don't see anything much or this didn't look right. Can you put the probe back on this? And most of these docs now too, like when we do these in our practice, most of what I'm doing 
if I'm doing a quick A fast or a T fast, do it standing. They kind of come in and like, you don't have to lay them down necessarily. Mm-hmm. You get a quick idea. Um, to me, it's, it's that ability to catch the ticking time bombs. So, you know, the, the spleens and the liver masses are, are the ones that give me the most dread, but also mm-hmm. the most comfort that I have something, right? Then that I can figure it out because otherwise it's just going to show up as hazy on an abdominal rat and you're not sure what's really going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about bringing that ultrasound into the exam room and, and doing those quick scans, what I know we talked about this a little bit, but again, that learning curve is kind of intimidating. And the fact that we're not specialists and suddenly we're maybe doing this new service. Do you have any tips for kind of client communication in that realm where, hey, you know, I'm doing an ultrasound, but it may not be the full ultrasound again that you're getting from the radiologist what kind of what does that discussion look like with the client i think going back to when i was a gp myself i'd go look i have the ability to be to get some information i'm not going to get all of it right now but i'm looking for the things that are in a potential danger zone for your pet so honesty is always the best policy right and and if you get comfortable with them you know, I've done in enough eight, uh, quick scans in the room with the owner. And I'm like, hey, look, this is what I see right now. You know, and like, ooh, that that's a big pocket of fluid. Let's talk about this. Um, you know, those are tough things to do sometimes. But if you can, especially when you can show owners, when they can visualize it and see it, you know, it's easy for owners to see a fracture on a radiograph. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard for them to to see those, you know, those squiggly lines and what's going on. But um, but if you can show them those things, they can start to wrap their heads around it. It can be a big help in the communication of the care for the pet. Yeah, I love that idea. You know, using, I feel like the communication is much easier when you're kind of a team in the exam room like that and you're, you're kind of discussing what you're seeing and maybe what the limitations are. So that's interesting. Your diagnostic process, now powered by Butterfly IQ Plus Vet, bringing the power of ultrasound into routine assessment, diagnosis, and treatment. Discover IQ Plus Vet or sign up for a live demo at vet.butterflynetwork.com. So Dr. Brunke, I wanted to ask you about this Butterfly IQ Plus VET, which is a point of care ultrasound. And it's maybe something I think many of us have wanted for a long time, maybe without even realizing it. But it is like we've kind of talked about a handheld ultrasound device that we can use table side and that lets us collaborate with people who might be able to help us out with not only interpretation of our images, but collection of our images. So before I go any further, can you kind of introduce our audience to this device how it works and kind of uh, what those capabilities are. Yeah, for sure. It's a super neat device because it just puts it right in your hand. Whether you connect it to a phone or to a small tablet, you don't have to have a lot of overhead of a big bulky machine or even a laptop to, to port around. It's the probe plugs into your iPad or your iPhone um, and then you it's app-based. So it's super cool in that you can change the presets from everything from abdomen to full echoes. Like you could do um, fundamental echoes with these if you're if you're learning those. And then I can do a lot of my musculoskeletal ultrasound with that as well. So it's got a bunch of presets. 
it's one probe. And because we've gone away from crystals and more towards all this cutting edge technology, the probe itself, when you change the settings, it changes the field of the window from the probe. So you don't have to have a convex and a con a flat and a and a linear. The probe itself doesn't change, but the the settings within the app allow it to change its field of view, which gives us a ton of really cool info. And it still gives us all the things we're kind of getting used to, right? With color flow Doppler. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really cool aspects to see the actual needle you're putting in. So you can do ultrasound guided aspirates with more consistency and and success. Um, it's really quite a versatile piece of equipment. I love that. Yeah. Being able to see the needle kind of go in. I, I thought that was a really cool feature and I think takes a lot of the, you know, anxiety out of things like cystocentesis or things like that. And explain to me about this collaboration aspect too, because I know we kind of keep coming back to the training and the yeah. maybe some of the, the daunting aspects of ultrasound, but talk to me about how you can kind of collaborate with, um, with maybe specialists or even peers. Yeah. And the fun part about it, having an app is that there's just so much built into it for training. So you can pull up the app itself and just go into the training modules and practice and see what everybody's trying to teach. So you don't have to go and find it on a portal or where did I put that textbook or those notes from the class? It's all built into your phone, which let's admit we have on, on ourselves all the time. <laughs> right. Um, but if everybody's holding their phone, that's listening to this right now. If you're holding your phone in your non-dominant hand, okay. And imagine that you're holding an ultrasound probe in your dominant hand. Okay. If you're hol- holding that probe and you're looking at, let's say a bladder or whatever else you're looking at, if you're holding your phone to see the ultrasound image, guess what? Your camera is already going to be on your hand. Mm-hmm. So with the IQ plus vet system, if you're not sure what you're seeing, you can actually tap into a live specialist and they can log in. And not only can they see the image on your screen, they can then see through your camera lens and they can see your hand and your body position and go, all right, I think you're close, but I want you to fan this way or give it a twist cl- clockwise. And you have that guidance of the specialist sitting 12 time zones away, whatever it may be, okay, that can help you get the best images possible so you can do the best care for your patient. That is pretty cool. And I think takes a lot of that kind of, at least to me as a general practitioner, takes a lot of that kind of daunting feeling away where you feel like you're going to get stuck having, you know, either not being able to capture the images or not having any idea what you're looking at. It gives you that kind of peace of mind. And I know we were chatting before we got started, Dr. Brunke, and you were Mm -hmm. kind of even just off the cuff mentioning some of the cases that I know you have used it for recently. So I want to hear from you kind of using the second generation IQ plus vet, like, what do you think some of the advantages are? I know just hearing you talk about how quickly you've been able to pop the probe on some of your cases. So I want to hear from, from your, about some of your firsthand experience. Yeah. So a lot of the times where I'm using it is looking at, let's say like shoulders or Achilles and looking at the different tendons and inside the joint and what's going on with those. And that's at a specialty level, but you can still get good ideas from that if you have an interest in it in mobility issues and, and sports med. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives us a lot of flexibility to to get that done, especially if you're just getting into it and you're not doing them that often. The price point on this is a lot easier than getting a big machine to get sure. started, which is super cool too. So that ability to see shoulder tendons inflammation inside a shoulder joint or is it a partial tear of an achilles or other ligament and and 
tendon issues like that, just like we do on our equine side, really makes it super practical. Um, in my world, most of what I see, the average age of the patient that I see is over nine and a half years old. And so sometimes things that come in as elective lumbosacral disease, bad hips, bad elbows, you know, we're looking at them and I'm like, uh, this golden retriever is nine and a half years old and its gum color is pale. And everybody starts to go, uh-oh, you know, but we can throw the probe on and I can change the settings from MSK to abdomen in two seconds. Mm-hmm. And I can go, okay, we thought that that spleen was big. And yeah, look at this giant spleen and I can measure it. I can get calipers on that through the ultrasound images. And I can then upload that immediately to the server. But I can also just take a screenshot of it and walk over to in, uh, the ER service and go, hey, guys, uh, so here's a golden. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to clearly need your help. Um, so we've had three of those in this past year wow. alone. that have come in for elective mobility issues that we've transferred over to the ER because we've had that in the, in the palm of our hand, that ability to go, uh, uh, this is, this is more of a situation than we thought. Let's go help. Yeah. And thinking of, you know, contrasting that with kind of the traditional ultrasound experience where you have to, you know, reserve the room, reserve the radiologist, like just how different case outcomes are when you, you know, in your own space and the Mm -hmm. clinic can pop that ultrasound on when you think you feel something or, you know, maybe your suspicion is low that you feel something so you wouldn't normally have gone and recommended an ultrasound, but instead you can pop the probe on. You know, I just can't help but think of all those those case uses that you get out of a point of care ultrasound that maybe would be completely different with just traditional ultrasound use. Yeah, it's so super practical is the thing. It's like, you know, we're going to go spend $400 on, on this or, hey, you know what? charge something because charge for your intelligence and your time, but charge something that's practical. That you're like, you know what? I, I want to sleep better tonight. You know, it's right. five o'clock on a Friday. I don't think this is it, but man, I can now check. Right. And, and so the more that we can do that, we're keeping up with the technology that's around us. That makes it super fun. Yeah, absolutely. And do you ever foresee these, this, like, I know we've talked a little bit about this, but it's not like this is going to replace referring to a specialist for these more thorough or body system ultrasounds. Do you foresee traditional ultrasounds always having a place in veterinary medicine? I think I want to say always because you never know what the the you know the fifty or hundred year view from now is going to be. <laughs> sure. um, but for the near future, I think that there's a nice collaboration. You know, you have the point of care ultrasounds that can get us practical images figure out what's going on, see, see that. And then, you know, maybe the technology will catch up um, where we can do, you know, when the internists and the radiologists and the cardiologists can see everything mm-hmm. um, and something like this, that's going to be amazing because that's just going to allow more patient flow. And we all know, gosh, in the last couple of years, we're, we're all backed up on patients right now. Um, but if we can get more folks trained and, and the care is out there that we can start to process these patients more efficiently in our time, mm-hmm. then that's a huge help. So I think we'll get there eventually. Um, we're not Star Trek technology yet. We just can't just <laughs> wave the magic wand, but uh, I think we're getting closer all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see where the technology continues to grow in advance. And already, like we talked about, some really cool stuff happening with the imaging modalities that we're able to do, um, not only in specialty practice, but even in general practice now as well. So, Dr. Brunke, you've made it to our keep it brief section. And I'd like to ask you something unrelated to ultrasound. You don't actually have to keep Mm -hmm. this brief, but um, Mm -hmm. this is where we just kind of go off topic. 
I want to ask you a question that's relevant to the reasons we're kind of trying to make practice more efficient and offer clients more options, like having table site ultrasound. So kind of going into this, like we said, landscape of busy practice and improving efficiency. What is your best tip for yourself or your colleagues and your team for staying sane in or out of the clinic? Any any takeaway tips for our audience today? Absolutely. Um, I have a big recommendation to everybody. And that is every day, go make sure you walk your dog for at least 30 minutes a day. If you don't have a dog, go walk anyway. Okay. Like go walk cat. your cat. Get outside. Okay. The more you can, just take a little time for yourself. Get outside. Put your phone in this crazy thing called do not disturb or, <laughs> or leave it. Leave it back at home um, and get out. Just just take a little bit of a personal break every day. Try to be consistent with it. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's maybe 45 minutes. Just get outside. Because um, from a mobility perspective, you know, the other thing that happens is, is when we hunch um, over to read our phones, mm-hmm. okay, we actually, um, we hunch over so much that we cause our own cervical disc disease. It's called text neck. It's yes. actually in the nomenclature now, okay? <laughs> Um, and the average person, when they hunch over their phone, at, uh, that angle is almost 35, 37 degrees. And at that angle, not your head feels like it weighs 35 extra pounds because oh. for every 10 degrees, your head is forward. Your head feels like it weighs an extra 10 pounds. And when you hunch that much, you decrease your pulmonary capacity by almost 25%. Oh my gosh. So get outside and stand up and look up at the sky and have fun. I like that, Dr. Brunk. I wish you could see me now. I'm stretching, very concerned about my (laughs) posture. My dog next to me, though, is very excited about your advice to get him outside and walk him today. So I love that. Those are very good wellness tips from um, our favorite rehab mobility person. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Dr. Brunke, for being here. And a big thank you to our industry partner, Butterfly. And of course, thank you to our audience. We appreciate you being here with us and we will catch you next episode. Thanks again to our sponsor and to today's guest for joining us. And thanks to you all for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. While you're there, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate if you leave us all the stars. You can also listen to podcasts on our website at cliniciansbrief.com slash podcasts. And you can also drop us a line at podcasts at briefmedia.com. Clinicians Brief Partner Podcast is a brief media production.